Good everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. It's our Friday rec, uh, segment again. Um, and, um, uh, you know, we've had our freedom in New South Wales and I'm sure Victorians are also rejoicing today with us because you guys also got some freedom back today, don't you, Jess? We do, we do. Well, life, oh. life is getting back to normal. Which you is sounded awesome. a lot happier as well when the schools are open, isn't it? Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Moving in the right direction, though. So that's good. That's good. And John, how are you doing? You very happy? well. Yeah. yeah. Very, very well. Yeah. No, no complaints here. Um, yeah. Getting our freedom back. It's, it's, it's nice. It's good. But not to get all Thomas Jefferson on us. But I don't think that's how freedom works. If they can, <laughs> if they can take it, if they can give it to us, they can take it away. And that means we were never free. So that's very true. That's very true to a, to a degree. Um, but I think, first of all, if we just touch on a, a bit of a more global uh, macro picture side of things. So um, in US, Jerome Powell has, uh, has earlier this week announced uh, that um, uh, they are looking to push the interest rate up. It's interesting because of the fact that um, a lot of the global economists are now saying that all the feds around the world or, the, or basically the central banks around the world will have to actually raise interest rate a lot earlier than what everyone is anticipating. So, uh, but I thought, you know, we'll, we'll lead in with, uh, with that piece then um, in terms of our view. Uh, and again, it's just our view uh, in terms of how the interest rate and, the, uh, and how is that going to impact the economy, Australia in general, uh, to start off with so mr john maybe i'll start off with you today first that's always a, a dangerous choice uh but let's let's give it a go yeah so, so um you know do you remember at the beginning of the month there we were talking about things like evergrand uh that was weighing on the market there was also a big prediction from um uh a very prominent uh, commentator robert kiyosaki who who i like and who we we often talk about who said that there'd be, you know, a massive, massive crash in October. Now, it's not the end of October yet, and he's, he's not wrong yet, but, um, you know, what, instead, of, instead of there being a crash and instead of Evergrande dragging the market down, you know, the S&P 500 in the US hit an all-time high again today. And not to be too stuck in what happened in the daily movements, but uh, at the beginning of the day, all the markets were down, including the S&P 500, and it was on the back of a Fed uh, statement that say, saying they're going to need to taper sooner, they're going to need to put interest rates up sooner. And then by the end of the day, um, Loretta Mester, who's the president of the, um, the Cleveland Federal Reserve, came out and said that, uh, th that an imminent increase in interest rates is not likely. And so the market went back up again. And it feeds into this bad news is good news for the, for, for the stock market, you know, that... Um, Yesterday, the uh, the US reported 300,000 new first-time unemployment uh, uh, recipients. And bad news is good news because bad news means they can keep interest rates lower for longer. So, um, yeah, it's, it, look, the bad news is good for asset prices. It's good for keeping the interest rates low. What I've noticed is that the 10-year the, uh, yield is creeping up. That's generally speaking uh, an omen for higher rates and it's bad for asset prices, but it's moving up and asset prices aren't going down. So it's the market's pretty resilient. Um, yeah, so we have to wait and see, but while interest rates are stuck here, where we're sitting pretty from an investment perspective, you just got to watch these things because they won't always be stuck this low. Eventually they're going to move higher, 
and th- that will affect asset prices. But um, my, my view is that they're going to do what they did today over and over again. Someone's going to come out and say interest rates need to go up and then someone else is going to come out and say interest rates need to uh, aren't going up and it's going to leave the market completely confused and it's going to mean that everyone is just a momentum player. So if the market's going up, we're just going to bank on that continuing. And if the so the property market's going up, the safest bet is to just assume that that's going to continue happening. So we're all going to be these lemmings stuck in this inertia um, and in this momentum until it's the wrong trade. Um, but it's hard to know. Eventually, rates will go up. It is just yes. a matter of time, I guess, by the looks of it, isn't it? But, you know, obviously our... Uh... Our governor is very, very firm in terms of his position up until this month to say we're mm. not doing anything up based on the announcement that is. Yeah. We're yeah. not pushing it up until 2024. Um, who knows? There might be inflation targets that, that's coming in a lot a lot earlier than what we expected. Um, they're expecting a, a, a what a strong rebound this Christmas spending in terms of the retails, uh, you know, in, in terms of that. So who knows? Anything can happen. Uh, to that extent. But Jazz, do you have anything else you want to add here as well? Or? Yeah, um, I mean, other than most of the things that you guys mentioned, um, the correction that we saw in the stock market is just a normal correction. I mean, 5% mm-hmm. correction in the stock market mm-hmm. every few months, not a big deal at all, right? So that uh, crash, crash style situation that Robert Kiyosaki was talking about isn't happening. Can't see how that will happen. Uh, if anything, S&P 500 is already back at its all-time high. Rates can go up. We're not saying that rates can't go up, but obviously there's an impact on the financial markets. And uh, that's where it's a hard in the rock place. If they try and raise the interest rates, uh, financial markets are going to get impacted. Um, but on a side note, all these people in the political world ha- have also been, not all these people, but some of the key ones have also been uh, uh, known for inside trading. So a lot of games being played here in the financial world. On interest rates, I had an interesting conversation. I went to an auction early this week in the evening and I was standing with my client and my client's parents. My clients are a young couple. And uh, it it was in Carlton, which is in the St. George area of Sydney. And this this house was a record-breaking suburb record, um, went way over. And my clients said, well, my client's parents said, why don't they just raise interest rates and this would all end? And the, uh, the, 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 the other chap said, yes, and then all these people who pay these silly prices will, will have to sell and then we'll be able to get some bargains. And I said, that's exactly why they won't put interest rates up. Because everyone who's bought in the last six months is going to be in a world of pain if that happens. And the longer this lasts, the more pain there will be. And um, and I, the last time I checked, those people vote as well. They're all voters. So, yeah, it, it's it's we're sort of backing ourselves into this corner. The longer we leave interest rates down here, um, the harder it is going to be to correct. But th- there's no way to do this without pain. Um, interesting your point about insider trading as well, uh, uh, Jazz, because there, there, there was a investigation by the Fed into its own insider trading and it goes all, all the way to the top. There were uh, s- some um, people who tend, well, the suspicion is that they mirror the trades that the Fed themselves make and they do it slightly before the Fed makes those trades. 
and uh, they, they've they're outperforming the market by uh, quite a lot because they're getting uh, they're, they're riding the wave of the the wall of currency that the Fed creates, and it goes all the way into Congress as well. So this is these are all these are all ba- these are all end of empire kind of things where your political and economic class are so corrupt that um, these things are just taken for granted. But uh, mm-hmm. that that's interesting too. That's one worth googling, uh, listeners. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, insider trading is known. Uh, mm. among some of these well-known politicians, including all the way to the top. So, uh, yeah, but the good news is that the uh, from the stock market perspective, uh, S&P 500 is back at its all-time high. So it's only marching north from here, I think, uh, is what I can say. That. Yeah. Yep. Not in a straight line, though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, uh, different. Yeah, no, it's uh, def- definitely, and uh, you know, as a as a proud Tesla shareholder, uh, I guess to a to a degree, I'm seeing, I'm also <laughs> seeing that it's been going up quite good this week. Pretty happy, um, and also there was an interesting one whilst while we're talking about that. Uh, the big short investor Michael Burry is saying that he's no longer betting against Tesla anymore. Earlier this right. week, if if I was the if I was the punting man. Or if I was to bet on a horse right now in stock market, uh, I reckon Tesla is right up there. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. It's because it, Michael Burry is famous for sticking to his guns. He's he's the conviction trader who uh, has so much. Um, he doesn't need any social confirmation that he's right. Um, that was that was one of the big points of the movie The Big Short that everyone thought he was nuts and he just stuck to it because he knew he knew he was right and he didn't need any social confirmation and for him to turn around on tesla is quite interesting if there's one bet if so if there's one man on this earth who you will never short is elon musk mm. and he's trying to short tesla <laughs> that guy launched spacex tesla solar energy tunnels yep. all at once don't short this guy <laughs> don't bet against elon that's what i've always been saying <laughs> Basically, so but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it doubles at some point. I don't know when, but um, you know, certainly before I, I previously. Think party, I think the party's already started. Started? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, doesn't doesn't Tesla track Bitcoin though? And so Bitcoin's had an excellent quarter, and uh, we'll come to that. But isn't isn't there a bit of uh, you know, if if the balance sheet's full of Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin goes up? I think they sold it earlier, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, long. so they still have nine percent okay. on the balance sheet, and ten okay. percent that they sold uh, was for liquidity testing, which I doubt actually was liquidity testing. But that's just the gut feel, nothing else. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So they still have a big chunk of mm-hmm. Bitcoin. Yeah. So in that case, makes sense. All right. No, it's good. It's good. Happy days for every asset owners, uh, whether it's in shares, um, crypto, um, you know, commodities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, I can see everyone smiling. Which then uh, lead us to, I guess, you know, we were talking about crypto, so it's actually a good segue, I guess, to uh, to jump into our next uh, discussion on crypto. Actually, this week is all about crypto. So, Jazz, you're up. You are going to be up big time, this one. <laughs> uh, okay, so the next piece of article talks about uh, crypto is winning the race against gold right now, as according to Paul Tudor-Jones. 
which is, uh, you know, Paul Tudor-Jones is a billionaire investor for those people who doesn't know him. And um, I think, you know, him coming out with that stance, uh, you know, with, with his view on cryptocurrency right now over, over gold is obviously worth weighing its weight. So it's worth digging in a little bit here. Uh, but without going into the whole context of the, of the whole article that's been released on CNBC about this, um, I think it's interesting coming from, you know, a billionaire investor coming from a traditional uh, asset class who's holding a lot of gold and commodities now shifting his positions into cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin is, um, yeah, is, is interesting stance. So um, I don't know, Jazz, what, uh, I think uh, from your perspective, I think it's quite obvious. Of course, you've always been on the other side of the trend. You're always, you're always a firm believer of cryptocurrency. And I think, this, is, this can be an interesting discussion because I know, John, you are obviously a big gold holder amongst all three of us. Um, so you, you guys might be able to look at this article from two different perspectives is what I'm trying to say. So maybe maybe we can actually we can actually tackle it on that basis. But Jazz, um, I guess I'll kick it off with you then. So PTJ obviously is known very well. He's a hedge fund manager. Yep. Runs a few billion dollar fund. Um, his statement obviously is true. Uh, nothing to be said on that. Um, it's crypto has definitely taken the shine away from precious metals. But I, I, I think, he, so he's right. His statement's true. Um, he's also known to manipulate the markets very well. So when he comes out and issues statements like these, generally means that he's trying to pump the market up and which is exactly what we are seeing with Bitcoin breaking out to its all-time high. No surprises over there. Um, at some point, uh, some of the news will break out, which will shake out the market once again. But overall, his statement about inflation and crypto acting as a better hedge for inflation against or worse precious metals, I think... Uh, it's pretty obvious the kind of returns that you guys are seeing in crypto market, uh, they're just exponential compared to uh, the likes of gold and silver. That doesn't mean that gold and silver won't have their sun and won't have their day in the sun. But for now, they have taken the shine, shine away. But at the same time, I mean, we have discussed on this podcast before, uh, a lot of the other asset classes like uh, or just uh, likes of uh, lumber, natural gas, they all have seen uranium, they all have seen uh, crazy growth, hockey stick style growth, uh, 200, 300% returns sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, he, he said that his exposure to crypto was still single digits. So he, uh, so it's still not that big, but it, it's a very volatile asset class and, and uh, single digits for him is, is billions of dollars. Um, it's. I think it's hard to know if Bitcoin is the better inflation hedge, although if Paul Tudor-Jones says it is, I'm happy to go along with that. Uh, but it's hard to know if it's more uh, effective inflation hedge than gold, only because gold's been around for 5,000 years and um, Bitcoin's been around since 2009. And what we might be mistaking as an inflation hedge is actually just an emerging asset class. And emerging asset classes uh, grow faster because they're 
coming off an extremely low base. And so, so that would be the caveat. Um, but that said, the, these are clever guys who are right to have exposure. The other person who um, I never remember his name, but the chap from the, the Shark Tank, uh, Kevin O'Leary. Kevin O'Leary uh, or Kevin 07, um, no. Uh, Kevin O'Leary has said the same thing. So he's flipped his uh, asset allocation uh, between gold and, and uh, Bitcoin as well. Uh, so they, they both see those as like the, the currency, the li- liquidity diversifiers. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I think you'd be nuts not to have gold and silver in your portfolio. That's just me personally. Um, and I think all asset classes take their turn because they're pulling currency away from other asset classes. But Bitcoin's been a winner. Can't deny it. I'm waiting yeah. for the day John will say, well, you'll be nuts to not have crypto in your portfolio. Oh, I think that too. I think you'd be nuts to not have crypto in your portfolio. <laughs> I, I do, I do believe that. It's just, it comes down to like what percent though, right? What allocation? Um, the, 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 the reason why all of this was relevant, of course, uh, is because the, the Bitcoin ETF launched this week in the US. Hmm. So people talking about this is a legitimate asset class. Whereas there's been question marks over the legitimacy of Bitcoin for a long time. I don't think we can really question that anymore. Mm. All this uh, kind of uh, big, big money is going to have a way to buy it now. So it is, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Just on that Bitcoin ETF, that was actually a pretty big news in the market. Having said that, it was not really a spot ETF. It was more futures ETF, um, which is, uh, I don't know how it's much different to a lot of the other stuff that's already there, uh, whether it's the options or the futures. So uh, I think it's just an, uh, in terms of the market, it, it, it gives another way for the money to flow into the market, but it's not really a spot ADF. Uh, and what you should be looking for uh, if you were to buy an ETF is a spot ADF, which has got the uh, underlying asset. That's, that's a good point. And what, one thing that the, the gold and silver investors always say is that the reason why the physical market is so tight and it's impossible to get actual gold bars uh, versus, you know, the prices coming down is because um, a lot of the ETFs for the precious metals are in the futures market and the futures are easier to manipulate. Um, and so maybe, maybe that's why they wanted the futures ETF because it allows them to mess with the price a little bit, although a little bit out of my depth on that one. Mm-hmm. I think any smart investor who is looking at buying a crypto ETF, whether it's Ethereum, Bitcoin, or whatever else comes in the future, uh, should always be looking at the backing of the underlying asset. If it's not, if it's naked, then just no point. I don't see any point of this EDF otherwise, apart from another way, another channel for the money to flow into the crypto market. And we have seen that through this ETF. I think uh, the ETF did the record numbers compared to any other ETF, including gold and silver that have been launched so far. And the number was from memory somewhere around just within its first day. um, I think it was about a billion in total volume. And that's easily the biggest one-day ETF. I could be wrong on the number maybe over there, but it was the biggest one-day ETF. Pretty sure the number was, wow. something, number was something like that. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And hence, wow. all-time highs in that market. Mm. Feels like just the money's just taking their turns with different type of asset classes, doesn't it? So I think that's what's happening. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what's happening. So. Mm-hmm. 
But having said that, though, I mean, Jazz, the, would, would any of these, uh, I mean, people are seeing the evidence now that cryptocurrencies, obviously, and in particular, Bitcoin is obviously starting to, um, to well, if people who's thinking that it wasn't legit is obviously now that like, being believing that it should be legit. As an investor, would you would you change your view in terms of its allocation in the total portfolio? I know previously we this is not investment advice, and again, it's just personal opinion. I know you. I think we kind of we kind of had the idea to say you know you can probably put five ten percent of your total allocations in, in in that sense. But given the news lately, would you be increasing the allocations so, or suggesting to increase allocations? So before we issue any statement, uh, not a financial advice. Um, so do your own research on this. But I think to answer that question, David, it is really the demographics that will define that, the age bracket that you're in, really. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. in your uh, retirement age, you don't want a 100-wall uh, asset, which can spike up and down 80% mm-hmm. in, in, in days or weeks. Kind volatility, of isn't it? Yeah, so you don't want to deal with that kind of volatility. Uh but at the at the other end, if you are in your you're you're just starting up your career, you're in your twenties or something, you want this volatility. You you really want that. I mean, uh, in that case, you can always think about increasing the allocation, maybe to I don't know whatever that number is. It varies again person to person depending upon their financial situation uh, and where they are in their journey of life. But the allocation can be increased. Uh, so it's 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 there's no blanket approach over here. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Uh, but Bitcoin had a big run. Um, I haven't been tracking. What about altcoin? Do you reckon altcoin is obviously going to follow as well if they haven't already had the runs? Uh, it's another rotation. I think it will happen, and mm. uh, they'll probably run harder than the uh, the the king of the ring. Uh, but we all know how this game is played. It's at the same time, pump and dump, right? <laughs> so um, you, people just need to be careful. There's a lot of people who lose money in this space, right? Which is hundred percent majority, right? So you you don't want to be in that space where you lose your savings, right? But will they run? They'll probably run harder, to be honest. In my they opinion. run harder. They run harder, but they run later, don't they? And they, in a sense, confirm the bull market. So Bitcoin moves because I think in the the, the all-time highs at the beginning of the year, Bitcoin hit their all-time highs, Ethereum hit it a month later, and mm. then, then they started to correct. Mm. Exactly what the property market does, right? When the, yeah. when, the, when the cycle starts, starts with generally with Sydney, premium property, Melbourne follows, premium property, out of burbs, regional towns, same thing, right? So the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the higher the risk, the higher the return. Simple as that, right? So yeah. if you, if you want to make... Uh, 1,000x return, there's a chance you'll probably go down to zero as well at the same time. Um, so it, it really comes down to the appetite of the person, I guess. Mm. Risk appetite. Mm-hmm. Quite cool. Um, anything else we want to cover on crypto? It's a big week on crypto, so I think, Jazz, while we're on that topic. I think the biggest piece of news on crypto this week was not Paul Tudor Jones, not ETF, it is Facebook. Oh, yeah, okay. Facebook launching their wallet, whatever the name of the wallet is, I think it's called Novi. Um, Facebook has got, what, 3 billion users, right? 
3 billion users and them launching a cryptocurrency wallet all of a sudden gives access to all these users to be able to uh, use cryptocurrency, right? Um, not that they can't use otherwise, but it's just that because it's Facebook, so people are already on the platform, right? So I, I see that as a massive, massive piece of news. Uh, and they're also working on their digital currency. I think it's called Dime, which was before named Libra, uh, Libra, Libra. Libra. Uh, yeah, Libra. That yep. hasn't been launched yet. So they're still working on launching it whenever that happens. So I think that was the, I think that's the biggest piece of news. This, the reason we are seeing all time high in this market is because all the all of this stuff that has happened, ETF, uh, likes of Paul Tudor Jones, and now Facebook, um, so yeah, and before that, uh, during February, March, we saw Elon Musk, we saw Twitter, we saw other companies all uh, taking a bet in the space, um, and uh, yeah, so it's the price is reflected in the news. The news is reflected in the price. Like all stars have aligned this week mm-hmm. for it to go for go to a record high. And I know last week, Jazz, you, you you've just openly made that statement to say it's going to go up, and look what happened next week. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, but speaking of Facebook, yeah, absolutely, which is a great, great segue into into the next one. You know, I think Facebook has been a big driver of the crypto uh, search this week. Um, and at the same time, I think earlier today they have announced that they are planning to change its company name next week to reflect its focus on building the metaverse. The metaverse. So that was the other big piece of news. Um, now think about this: Facebook has got three billion users. It's a brand name it's got a big market cap all of a sudden them shifting into the world of metaverse and for people who don't understand what metaverse is it's essentially just a virtual virtual space in the digital world so it's instead of the living in the physical world we're living in the digital world and obviously that's endless just like universe kind of thing Uh, and Facebook have all of a sudden shifted their strategy towards focusing on metaverse. And I think they have employed around 10,000 people around the world, mainly in Europe, I could be wrong on that, uh, to just work on this new metaverse and the AR technology to link the AR technology to metaverse. And they have launched cryptocurrency, which is the native to the internet, essentially wallet, and so they've launched the cryptocurrency cryptocurrency wallet and now they're working on the currency as well at the same time so they are completely shifting their focus and i think that itself says a lot uh, that we are our kids probably will be living in more of a digital world than a physical world to be honest Um, and we already are to some extent uh, we cannot live without smartphones they are part. They they kind of are extension, uh, but our kids will be just all digital, basically. Feels like, and when I look at my kids playing Roblox and buying penthouse in the game, <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot. That says a lot. 
Yeah, I, I think I think Facebook. A couple, just a couple of things for me. I think Facebook will be successful, and I think that they're they're right to maybe rebrand because Facebook is so much more than just um, like a, a photo album, which is what I guess the the name suggests. They've got WhatsApp, and a bunch of other assets that they're, they're probably right to do what Alphabet Group did with Google. It's like um, you know where where we've got an umbrella company, and but because I, I understand that they will retain the Facebook brand, it just will be a a, a division within a bigger company within the metaverse um, on the cryptocurrency that uh, that Facebook is, is generating. Now they will, they will, I'm sure build a successful cryptocurrency, but it's not, a, in my opinion, it's not a real cryptocurrency because a real cryptocurrency has to be decentralized. Um, the reason, the reason I think Libra didn't work and the reason say Bitcoin does work is because you can't go to the Bitcoin head office and uh, and asked to see the CEO and and complain to the and complain to the board. There is no there is no board. There is no Bitcoin head office. It's a fully decentralized um, uh, asset, which is why they're scared of it. Which is why it's going to succeed, and it's why you can't take Bitcoin down. If you can go to the Facebook office and ask them to withdraw Libra or regulate Libra, it will be uh, it's different. It's not the same as Bitcoin. Uh, so that's centralized versus D. It's a, it's a centralized coin that's useful in one ecosystem, but not outside that ecosystem. But I, I suspect it will be useful on Facebook, and and, and that's what's going to matter. Just on the the digitization of our lives, though, I think we need to be careful uh, how far we go with this concept. You know, Peter Schiff in his gold versus Bitcoin debates always says, "Look." Sure, the future's digital. However, I'm not going to live in a digital house. I don't eat digital food. I don't drink digital water. Like there, there has to be a, a digital world that enables the, te- the the physical world that we live in. Um, so you might be able to install electronic air conditioning uh, and, and and climate control, but it has to exist in the real world. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know how far we push this thing that goes beyond any actual tangible value. And, and that's the, the gold bit in me coming out that I'm not sure, I'm not sure how we can digitize these things. And I think maybe we stretch it too far, but um, for now, I think that the future is digital for sure. Just on that point, uh, obviously we're always going to live in the tangible world, right? But this kind of growth that we see in the tangible world currently with property prices, stocks and all that, I think is going to change down the line. Uh, more, more, more property than stocks, to be honest, but mm. uh, where there will be digital assets and they will hold their value. And some of them could be a store of value as well, like digital art, NFTs or digital currency, whether it's Bitcoin or shitcoin or whatever it is, right? So um, I think it's got its space. Um, yep, yep. That doesn't mean the tangible world is going anywhere or the physical world is going anywhere. Uh, but I think it's clearly got got its space. Uh, and that space is go- going to grow much faster than what we are used to in the past with the, tra- with the traditional assets. And hence, likes of Paul Tudor Jones come out and says, you know what, crypto is probably a better hedge. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Go, go, you know, the, go, gold... gold uh has been challenged before and it and it often wins in the uh, long the long scheme of things but uh, we'll, we'll see i mean i'm very attracted to the idea of programmatic 
um, digital monetary policy. That so I, I really like. I really like what that could do. Um, so we'll, we'll see. There's, I'm sure there's room for both. Mm-hmm. Space to watch. Yep. Indeed. All right. So I think uh, that's pretty much all the topics that we want to cover this week. I guess, gents, anything else you want to want to raise before we wrap up? No, I think it's mainly just a lot happening in the non-property space, whether mm. it's commodities or crypto or other S&P 500, other asset classes. Um, so, but You know what? If, if you ignored us completely and just owned real estate, you would be doing just fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, for example, uranium went up 25% per night over the last two days. I'd still rather own you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane real estate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Different that's risk appetite. That, that, that's why we are old and our kids play Roblox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's pretty much it. Uh, I think that's it for the day, I guess, from the main weekly wrap perspective. Um, to the listeners, Anything that we talk about on this podcast, like always, is not a financial advice. Uh, Do your own research and uh, play safe, stay safe. Don't over leverage. And we will see you guys next week with markets. John, Jazz and David.